Cycling Weekly podcast. Uh, this week, our guest is Gina Ball. Who is Gina Ball, Tilda? Gina Ball. Also, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> just getting straight into it. As usual, we've been talking for about three hours already, so we're just getting this done. Um, yeah, so our guest this week is Gina Ball. She is the manager of British team, Team Spectra, um, and they a team that launched last year they're a multi-discipline team so they race gravel mtb cyclocross and road but interestingly they're also a mixed gender team so they have um, an equal division of male and female riders and reason we want to speak to gina is at the start of this season um she kind of put out a little message on twitter saying that it had been confirmed to her that she was the youngest and the only female um manager of a uci cyclocross team which as fans of women cycling and women in cycling, we found pretty interesting. Uh, so we wanted to talk to her a little bit about that. So yeah, we had a good chat about quite a lot of different things and her experience running the team. Um, and hopefully it's an interesting conversation for you. Uh, prior warning, there's a couple of little sound issues with it. Gremlins got in the system for everyone that day and also a dog barks at one point. So if you hear any of that, just... No, you didn't. Go with the flow, okay? It's hard, these technical things. Um, But yeah, so hopefully you will enjoy that chat, but we'll just get to a couple of bits of news before we send you over to the interview. Yeah, uh, so this week in Women's Cycling, it's been pretty slow because it's December. Um, But a few bits of Annemiek Van Vluten news. First is that she held an auction um, to raise money for charity by selling selling off old kit um and she raised 17,000 euros in the end um for both the Amy Peters Foundation um and also a charity called Bikes for Maasai who are a Kenyan-based charity who supply bikes to the Maasai population so nice to see Annemiek Van Vluten using her platform that way um also, she was awarded the Velo d'Or, uh, the first women's only edition of it. Is that right? Yeah. That's the one? No, yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, good week for Annemiek van Vluten. Um, or somebody who didn't have such a good week is Chloe Digert, Um, because she, well, I don't think it happened this week, actually, but she, she underwent heart surgery um, for to treat tachycardia although she's already back um training so she's um yeah we'll probably see her racing again next year obviously she raced with the canyon surround but she didn't really didn't really do a lot this year because she had various problems so yeah um elsewhere um the whole kind of lacole wahoo fallout from the main sponsor pulling out which we now know was Lacole. Um various riders are moving on from that team. They've been told to look for the teams because the the kind of future is, is in jeopardy, unfortunately. Uh and Afka Sweat, um, who was racing for Yumbo Visma, uh, has announced her retirement. She put out a big uh Instagram caption talking about her struggles with 
um, eating disorders throughout her career. Um, she was very open about it. And um, yeah, so really sad to see that that's kind of brought on an early retirement for her, but also it's also hard, like good to see somebody being so upfront about something that's actually quite a big issue in the sport. Um, so all the best to her. Uh, and finally, Marta Cavalli has prolonged her contract at FDJ until when, Tilda? Until the end of 2025. So I think that's adding on a year to the contract she already had, but shows a lot of um, faith in her from the team and also that she's committed to the team. So now she is one of their longest signed riders. So, yeah, she's with them for the foreseeable. Which, yeah, it's interesting because um, there was quite a lot of kind of speculation and talk about, you know, Cecilia Ludwig being like the main leader of that team and like how they kind of divided those two leaders uh, within the squad. So the continued development of that story. So, yeah, I guess that's going to continue. Um, okay, that's the news. On to Gina Ball. Um, welcome to the podcast, Gina Ball. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's very exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to have you on. Like as Tilda just kind of said off mic, um, it's we do try and interview people from all areas of women's cycling, and that's not just pros. And so, and as the youngest and only female manager of a cyclocross team, um, and we love cyclocross on this podcast so um yeah we thought it'd be good to to chat to you all about that um Tilda do you want to kick us off with a question yeah I guess maybe to kind of um get us up to speed how did you kind of so obviously you manage the Spectra team now but where did you get to where you are now um god I guess do you want my whole cycling history (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's not that long um so the I'll just talk about the team. So I used to work for um, a marketing agency that also um, sort of owned this team. Um, And then we parted ways from the marketing agency um, that just sort of left me and Josh Hand, who's the sort of team owner at the the minute, um, to run the team as we are. And um, we just thought that, so we're a multidisciplined, multi-gendered, um, cycling team here in the UK and we thought that first from the from the management side it is just me and Josh and Josh sort of deals with the mechanics of the team and he um, he knows his he knows his strengths and we both decided that I would be the ideal candidate to be the, the general manager of uh, the whole team in general but specifically for cyclocross um, so yeah that's that and Obviously, um, we know because you put out a tweet at the kind of start of the season about being the youngest and also the only female manager in the cyclocross um, like community okay. over in Europe. So we're a few races deep now. What's it kind of been like being in that situation and around what is still a fairly male sport, especially in the kind of management side of it? Um, yeah, so interestingly, at cyclocross races, there isn't really much of a of a need for like in like a in a direct role where it's you know it's going to meetings and stuff like that that's not something that happens from um cyclocross races not like road um it's sort of everything's very much self-sufficient so 
from a from a management side of it, it's at the minute I haven't seen much of a um, I haven't really had to instigate or get in the middle of things. Um, but I guess we I haven't actually been out to Belgium yet um, this season because um, we've had two riders out there that have been pretty self sufficient. Um, and that's Zancrease and Ben Chilton, and they've been smashing it. Unfortunately, Ben's had to come home early, but Zan's still out there. Um, and, you know, we help her where we can. We, you know, we, we can get involved with PC if we can, and we help um, with logistics if, if she ever needs it. And obviously when we go out for Christmas, that will be, um, we'll definitely be helping her. And actually the rest of the team, we've got quite a big team going out for Christmas. Um, so that'll be that'll be fun. Um, but from like a from a race perspective, I can only talk from last year. With um, I was also the team Swanya, so you know it would be like on the start line with all the other Swanyas, which are usually mums or like aunties and sisters as riders. So it's sort of there's more women involved in cyclocross, um, but obviously none from I could see from a management point of view. Um, so I'd like to think and I'd like to hope that being on the list of managers even though I haven't felt the need or seen the need to have a direct impact in quite a few things um, it's still paving the way for future generations really. And so you say you haven't um, been out to Belgium yet but you obviously were there last year as this one year um, obviously the day-to-day is going to look different as the manager but what what will that look like or what has that looked like in the past at Crossroads? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, so we'd wake up super early. Um, you know, I'll go through the whole day. That's a treat. Um, wake up at five, uh, get ready and then go down and go down to the kitchen or wherever um, and make sure that all the bottles are prepped. So that there's a lot of prep work involved and um like two hours later the riders will start to wake up and it's making sure they've got their breakfast and then helping josh pack the van and then we drive to the race and you know we're there from um anywhere between nine o'clock and eleven and obviously the races don't start till 12 one o'clock we had um under 23 last year um so it was a bit earlier than than this year um and yeah the 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 riders go out for course practice um, and then they come back and then it's cleaning bikes, which um, is always fun. And I do have a fun story to tell about uh, jet washing bikes in the car park as a female, which I'll tell in a second. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, making sure that my, my Swanee bag is packed um, and then the race starts or the, they go down to the start line and it's standing on the start line taking their um, uh, warm up tights and their jackets and you know making sure they've had their last sip of water um, and then yeah do the race I also sort of did this the, I did the social media for the team um, last year live stories to then create reels um, and the race would finish and it would be at the at the finish line ready to hand them a bottle of water, a small can of Coke and a recovery shake if they want it and then make sure to put their layers on them like instantaneously so they don't get cold. Um, and then to the podium if we needed to. Um, and then if not, back to the van. Um, 
So actually, onto the the story of the car park. Um, I was uh, Josh was Josh was busy sort of um, helping out one of the riders with their bikes, and uh, there was nobody to jet wash a bike, so I decided to do it. And I thought I kept myself quite hidden away, but um, we were obviously in, in a massive car park, and I had I was just jet washing, minding my business, and I had a row of Belgian mechanics just stood in the distance watching me with their hands on their hips like "Ah, what's happening it was very funny it was very entertaining as in literally just because you were a woman washing a bike I think so I I didn't really get it at the time but the more I thought about it the more I was like to be fair I haven't seen another woman washing like jet washing a bike yet but you know yeah it it was bizarre and I I sort of started to I did it another time and another row of, of Belgian mechanics were staring at me. So I just sort of turned to them with the jet wash and jet washed them and they had a laugh and then they walked off. <laughs> um, but yeah, just making fun of it, really. Is it something you kind of notice much? Like, I, I feel like sometimes I don't really realise that you're in a really male-dominated environment until you like actually step step back from the situation and realise, like, is it something that you notice day to day or is it just like going to work and it's not like in your mind? No, I, I completely notice it quite a lot. Um, the more sort of you go to, the, you know, we go to big World Cups and super prestigious and, and all of those sort of big league races. And yes, there are a lot of men there and not a lot of women. Um, and then you go to the more rural ones, like the the C twos, and uh, the the unless there's a you know a women's race, the majority of fans are all men, are young boys, um, and even even on start line, you know, excuse me, you get um, aunties and mums and sisters being soigneurs, but that that's that's it, that's their job for the day. Um, and it is still very male dominated. You know, you're at a crossing point and there's a row of men in front of you. Not that it's intimidating, but just that it's, I am a young female in a very, like in a big field full of other men. And it's, it's not intimidating, but it just, you can definitely tell when you're in it, I think. Yeah, the lack of representation from, from women. And, you know, that combined with like the Belgian men watching you, with the jet wash is that kind of was that part of the reasoning behind you wanting to take up this role to sort of show that women can do it oh yeah yeah definitely um it was it's more to just yeah to show that women can have obviously women can have positions of not power but authority within cycling because yes it is very male dominated but it doesn't have to be um, you, as a woman, I don't have to take on a one-year role. I don't have to be just the social media manager. Um, I can be the photographer. Of, I can be the photographer. I can be the, the manager. I can be the one-year. I can be the mechanic. And I think like those two main roles, the general manager and the mechanic, that's where we need more female representation. And I think, um, I think in in the UK, we have that sort of, we have it slowly increasing where we have more female team managers, not just in cyclocross, but in the other areas of 
um, in the other disciplines of cycling and also sort of in the pits at the cyclocross races, the national trophies, the Montezuma's team, they also help out their, their sort of male counterparts. They're in the pits, they're jet washing their bikes and it's, everybody needs to take a step forward in increasing uh, the amount of women in these male dominated roles when they don't have to be. And I think some women kind of, yeah, you talk about being in the position of authority. I think people worry about like not being taken seriously or things like that. And especially like it's like a, the double whammy of being a woman and being young in like a really mm. high up position. Like are there challenges that you face with that, like in the more behind the scenes running of the team? Like I imagine that, you know, your relationship with sponsors and stuff. Is that anything that you ever think like, oh, people just aren't fully taking me seriously here? um yeah yeah it's definitely been an adjustment for quite a lot of people obviously you know everybody's trying to be more progressive in how they view women um in in the roles in cycling because it is new to have a woman in a team manager position regardless of whether that's a only a female only team or a male only team um it's interesting I've had conversations with Josh about this quite a few times where we'd both be in the same room and they'd be asking him questions that they should be asking me and that Mm. could be anybody that literally could be anybody and I would just I'd try and answer where I could and eventually I think there was one occasion where I just got fed up and I took a step back and I was like you know what if they want to talk to Josh they can talk to Josh however Josh then makes it very clear that I'm the person in charge, which is very good of him. And it sort of emphasizes the message that we're trying to put across um, of just equality in general. Obviously, we're, we're a multi-gender team. We have equal support for, for both our men's and our women's side of the team. Everything is the same. Um, and we, yeah, we just like to push that message across in literally everything that we do. Yeah, and, and one thing kind of on on that note, like we do definitely see especially when you look at the road side of it the women that are in more senior roles often are often in women's teams and for you it's a pretty unique situation that it's a mixed team so what's it like kind of doing that where you are managing both men and women in your kind of day-to-day um it's personalities are different women are very I mean both men and women on on our team anyway they're all very very easy to get on with and thankfully we've had everybody that's been on the same the same frame of mind with how they interact with the team and we haven't had any dramatically awful personalities regardless of gender we've had a we've had actually a a really cracking team Um, and you know we we went to the tour series this year and our women's team was second overall in the team standings and that was fantastic and our men's team were there on the side of the road after their race or before their race cheering them on so we're always we're always there for each other um as much as we can be especially at races like the tour series but then you've got when you've got the sickle classic which has a, a men's and a women's race and they're on completely different days completely different months and it's just making time for everybody and making sure that you know, there may have been a, a men's nat B on the same day as the women's sickle, but, you know, we were there as a team supporting the men's sickle classic. So 
so we are going to be there for the women's sickle classic and we will provide you with the same support we'll have a team car we'll have wheels we'll have a mechanic we'll have nutrition we'll have everything ready for you and it's just about organizing time basically this is the this is the thing it's like people I don't know if people think that having a multi-gender team is difficult it's not you just need to manage your time and manage your resources extremely well yes and it is difficult and sometimes it is like juggling but once you've got it it's absolutely fine it seems like um mixed gender teams as well are kind of more more of a thing in off-road disciplines than in mm. in road um you know you've got uh some of the top riders especially on the women's side in cross of like riding for teams that support both men and women I think in Puck Peters with Alpes and Deconic and stuff like that um do you think that's like do you think it's just like the way to do it with that or like why do you think it's a a bit a thing more of a thing off-road I guess I think I think it boils down to the maybe to the resources that you need for off-road disciplines rather than road. I think that off-road like cyclocross, like mountain bike, whether that's XCO or downhill or... I feel like there's maybe less resources involved or like it's very... You can have both genders there at all times because, you know, maybe the races are on the same day, they're at the same time there. And you can set up a, a proper camp and have everything with you at all times. So it makes sense to have both the men's and women's teams because also you're using what resources you have to their full benefit at that same time. Um, and maybe it's actually because off-road is probably a bit more progressive than road. Probably. Maybe it's a bit more forward thinking. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you come when you think about cross because you've got like the stuff around it like you your anecdote about jet washing the bike and then you've got like the way that the races are kind of structured where there's equal prize money they race the same course so it's it's kind of a weird mix of like the majority of it takes place in Belgium which how do I say this without disparaging an entire country (laughs) but maybe they don't have the most progressive views on on gender um as a whole and then but then you've got this discipline that's like really much more equal than road in particular um which although it hasn't always been the case I mean yeah you've been around the sport for a long time obviously there's work that's been done behind the scenes by by women that have gone before um yeah I don't know that's not really a question that's just me me thinking out loud but yeah I guess um kind of to that point yeah about you you've you've been around cycling for a long time like does it feel like it's it's changed a lot um especially like the treatment of of women and and well I mean it's kind of obvious that there's more and more teams and stuff but the behind the scenes is the bit that actually affects a lot more people like does it feel like it's changed from your um personal experience in some instances no so for example there are some races where um the women's equivalent isn't to the same organizational standard as the men's 
which is a real shame because like like you know we've talked about with cyclocross for example ever all and even mountain bike all the resources are in the place at the same time that's that's the thing with road it's you can have a men's race on one day but then you have to have the women's race the following weekend or two months away and by that point you know the resources that you've got in they're not available for those days or whatever so things are things are lower standards unfortunately for some road races specifically um yeah it's getting better don't get me wrong it absolutely is getting better and road is progressing slowly but surely but there are there are other issues with road that are for a whole nother conversation a whole nother thing but um yeah i i, I do think off-road is better for so many different reasons well, and that's on a similar note to kind of take things a bit more light-hearted maybe if you had to choose a discipline just one discipline what would you choose oh my god <laughs> I don't know I've literally been to like I've been to um obviously I've been to world like world cups for cyclocross and for mountain bike and I've been to some pretty big road races and even some like even gravel even the gravel discipline is getting bigger and that's actually yeah gravel is another one that's probably a bit a bit more progressive than than any of the others because of how new it is oh my god I don't know <laughs> I really don't know I do really like mm, like across for the atmosphere yeah is incredible just yeah being at a proper Belgium cyclocross race forgetting everything else just the atmosphere especially when you've got like you know you've got the, the big names you've got the van der Poels and the van art and mariana voss and you know there's really like big people there but the atmosphere is insane um but actually like even you know early early season races the atmosphere there is incredible sorry i'm mumbling cyclocross <laughs> i was gonna say it sounds like cyclocross the way you're like kind of wistfully looking off into the distance <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely cross yeah it's unbeatable I think because there's so much history there as well like yeah yeah it's incredible I really feel like I missed out because I was at I went to cross races for the first time last year and it was obviously no there was no crowds because of covid and mm. I was like this is really cool I still really enjoyed it mm. but I missed the kind of what it what usually defines it you know like all the crazy drunk people so I'm gonna have to go back (laughs) oh yeah definitely definitely um yeah I think my first actually speaking of last year it was it was insane sort of as covid and you know all of those precautions and everything was lifted and more people could attend races because they were they had to buy tickets the bigger the obviously the bigger the crowds got the the bigger the cheers got and it wasn't quiet at races and it was loud and it was exciting and it was oh my god they're coming <laughs> yeah definitely need to get out when the crowds are big yeah yeah it was just a bit like me just kind of it was like me standing in a field it was a bit eerie just like riders going past and me like definitely 
not doing a very good job of cheering my boyfriend on but anyway (laughs) um so as what I kind of want to ask about is obviously there's a big cross scene in the UK or there's a decent cross scene in the UK I'll, I'll admit I don't really know that much about it but it seems like from the outside there's quite a healthy cross scene in the UK but obviously most of it takes place over in Europe um what's it kind of like as a UK based team going across going overseas is it just like straightforward obviously now we've got look this is not a politics podcast but with Brexit and stuff like that things are more difficult what are the challenges I suppose um it's a lot more expensive that's for sure um and I can imagine that the costs are just going to get higher and higher and higher with you know as as Brexit progresses further um we don't need visas for this time round for December, but I believe in January we will have to get visas. So it's just like getting visas, which is going to completely increase costs of just racing abroad in general, which I think might, I don't want to say it'll cripple um, like cycling teams in the UK, but it will definitely impact the amount of races that they go and do abroad, whether that's, you know, road commesses or, Um, over in France or Belgium or whatever but even you know a lot of mountain bike world they're also abroad they're you know they're in all the different countries that you can think of and it's you know traveling we we went to Andorra for the world cup uh, for the mountain bike world cup and that was a long drive that was a drive from the UK to Andorra so that's you know straight from we're based in the peak district so that's peak district to to Dover and then serves Calais and the Calais to Andorra and that's driving because flying isn't really really an option with the amount of infrastructure that you need as a team so then it's fuel prices that are going up and all of those those boring tedious things that you need to consider and that's probably one of my biggest challenges for next year is considering budgets you know with the sorry to make this political but you know with the predicted recession coming up and definitely the cost of living crisis it's you know brands are not just for my team but I think for cycling teams in general brands are having to decrease the amount of funding that they can put into the team so then it's we need to allocate the budget specifically and strongly and make sure we stick to that and we're not overspending and we're not going to races that we can't afford or we're not doing this thing because we can't afford it but then still making sure that we're being the team that we want to be and want to achieve so yeah yeah next year for sure I think it's going to be a lot difficult than than it is at the minute but it is still very expensive yeah it must be particularly difficult when you have the kind of core identity of the team of having the both genders and all the disciplines like I don't imagine there's there's no like corners that can be cut and you can't be like okay we'll take on like one less female rider or something like that like is it very yeah is it very hard to I guess maybe one question is like could you see the team going in a different direction like saying okay we're going to focus on the on the off-road and and forget about the road quite so much or is it kind of we want to stick to this and that's that's the ultimate goal so we have been we have been deliberating it for the majority of like the winter season um after road finished it was what do we do now because you know we 
costs are high. We we can't really sustain the level that we were at. So we so like we we might be taking a little bit of a step from mountain bike, um, which is a shame because those races are amazing. But it's the worldwide global the globalness of mountain bike is just it's a bit too much for us as a small team. Um, road is road sells for cycling road is road road is the 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 big discipline within cycling so you know if if we want to attract the brands that we want road has to be the discipline that has to stay and cyclocross is our main identity so cyclocross has to stay and gravel we've had some amazing successes at um so gravel is going to stay but you know it's instead of we allocate 15% of the budget to gravel and that's it. But we have to allocate like 50% to road and whatever's left to cyclocross. That could be how it would look next year. Um, that's looking likely, but yeah. No, yeah, so I guess what what does the next kind of um, few weeks look like for you? It, it must be kind of a weird time where you're like in the full swing of cyclocross season but it's road off season. And as a general manager, I assume there's a lot of different things to, to manage. So yeah, what are the next kind of couple of months looking like for you and the team in general? So the main, the main role at the minute for me has been, well, for the last few months and Josh as well, um, have been signing new sponsors and trying to get new sponsors on, bo- um, on board and sort of retaining the sponsors that we've already got, which has gone well. Um, so that's been the last, few months in addition to making sure that we're supporting all of our riders in whatever they want to do so we've had a few riders take up cyclocross um, in the UK sort of doing the national trophy so it's supporting them and making sure that they've got everything that they need Um, and also making sure that those two cyclocross riders that have been out in Belgium have also had everything they need so whether that's um, talking to them every now and again and just making sure that they have the equipment that they need that they've got the support that they need that they're okay um and so we should be going to belgium maybe we should be going to belgium this weekend this next week not tomorrow but the weekend following so it's um planning planning accommodation and travel over there and then it's making sure that everything's sort of for christmas so we're going out on the 24th so um yeah so I'm gonna miss Christmas at home but then so are all the other riders so it's making sure that we as a team can fill the Christmas holes for the riders that we're sort of taking with us and making sure that Christmas is good for them um, but also making sure that uh, the Christmas block goes well so that we have all of the infrastructure and all the just basically everything that we need it's a lot of planning and a lot of logistics and a lot of figuring things out whilst still being very quiet but talking to a lot of people at the same time <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit mad it never stops being multidisciplined it never stops but it's good and it's what I signed on for and I love it <laughs> and I guess kind of one question to kind of sum up a lot of the things that we've talked about is ideally in the future you won't be the only female manager of a team but what can like the sport um and the wider industry, I suppose, do to kind of elevate and empower women and or even just younger people in general into managerial and more authoritative roles? Like what would really help on that path? Oh, my God. 
a big question. That's a really big question. Um, I think maybe one thing is just allowing more women to take up space from a like behind the scenes perspective. It could be anywhere from race organizers hiring women over men, riders that are not coming to the end of their career. It's allowing them to see that they can take on a role within an organization that allows them to to be behind the scenes um so there's sort of opening doors and allowing women to take up space for sure i think yeah i don't know not allowing women to just phase out of their sport i think that that would help because what there isn't after cycling you know quite a, you know people are retiring later now which is amazing you know they're not retiring at the age of 25 or even like even 28 you know a lot of a lot of people especially women are retiring a lot early and it's making sure that that phase out doesn't just stop them from riding their bike it gives them there's a path for them to take into some kind of managerial role whether that's organizing a race or whether that's working at the UCI or any of these other big organizations that organize races or even teams welcoming their ex-riders back in as um, race directors or um, or even even soigneurs or you know if you know if alongside their training and their racing they've had you know been to university um, if you know if there's a there's a role there for them allowing them to use the skills that they've learned whether that's you know nutrition I know a lot of cyclists take on sort of um, sports and science exercise type degrees so it's allowing these riders and female riders to use their degrees and use their knowledge within the team that they used to race for and then that gives them experience and yeah it's just letting women do what they do best and yeah basically that's a good answer and I'm gonna ask a potentially difficult slash basic question now what's the one piece of advice that you would give someone who wanted to do the same role as you take up the space be confident and make sure you're heard because it's one thing being in the room but you actually have to voice your opinion in the room you have to take up that space once you're there but to get there you just have to just have to push your way in yeah I think that's just be confident do what you do best. That's it. I'm gonna like put that on a post-it note on my wall. I was gonna say I feel so inspired now. <laughs> same, same. No, those are good words to end on. I think that's uh, it's good advice in general for sure. Well, mm. thanks so much for for coming on the podcast, Gina. It's been really it's been interesting hearing your perspective and. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to go and conquer the world now after listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a good experience. Thank you. As usual, yeah, it was really great to speak to Gina. And I really hope that, like she says, we'll start to see some more women in um, not only roles in women's teams, but, yeah, higher up roles in men's teams. And I think the real emphasis is on being in positions of authority uh, so hopefully this is kind of the start of something 
must be a bit of a funny time for her to be doing it and being the trailblazer but I'm sure change will come yeah absolutely it was really interesting to hear her perspective um and some of her stories about you know like the Belgians looking at her and like when she's jet washing the bike and um yeah she's kind of she's got a lot of confidence obviously in what she's doing and it's good to see that somebody's kind of breaking the mold a little bit and hopefully yeah she's kind of one of many in the future so yeah hope you enjoyed that and we will see you next week for another podcast and if you enjoyed this one please don't forget that you can review and also if you subscribe it will land in your little what is it called wherever you get your podcasts inbox (laughs) I don't know anyway uh thanks for listening bye bye a rich man's world